listening to The 30 Podcast. Here's your host, Jazz Kang. What's up, everyone? Recording this just after a thrilling 103-100 Lakers win over the Warriors in the first round of the play-in tournament. The good news, the Lakers are headed to the playoffs as a seven seed. They'll take on the Phoenix Suns in the opening round. Before we jump into things, don't forget, subscribe to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're there. And of course, check out silverscreenandroll.com. We'll have you covered throughout the entire Lakers postseason run. Joining me, one of the people behind the magic at Silver Screen and Roll, a very excited, still calming down Sabrina Merchant. Sabrina, first off, how, what was the emotional roller coaster like for you going through that game? Because halftime, I was like, if the Warriors extend this to 18-19 coming out of the break, it's going to be lights out for the Lakers. They turned it on. They out, outscored the Dubs 35-24 in the third. How were you feeling watching this one? So some of you who listen to this show on a regular basis know that I watch most of these games with my brother. And he has been getting on my case this season that I've been too negative and that it disturbs his enjoyment of the game because he is more of an optimistic person than I am by nature. And so me pointing out all of the little things that drive me nuts about this team really take away from his experience. <laughs> so I was trying my very best, my very, very best not to be the Debbie Downer in this situation, but everything in the first half, like literally I was putting my face into a pillow, trying not to say things because I didn't want my brother to have to leave the room, you know, and not <laughs> be able to watch the game with me. Um, so, you know, inadvertently that sort of like calmed me down a little bit because I had to restrain all of my emotions, you know, otherwise I would just be this pure, this like, like big old pile of negativity, you know, just like spewing my hatred for these rotations and, all of the promises that Frank Vogel and Rob Palinka may or may not have made to people on this roster. But the second half was just a lot of fun. It was a lot, a lot of fun. Um, I know we had games in the bubble that were really exciting for the Lakers. And maybe this is just recency bias because this just happened. And, you know, the Lakers were won their title in October of last year, but I don't remember feeling like this, you know, the Lakers competing in Staples center, hearing the fans, you know, Mike Breen, Jeff and Gundy, Mark Jackson on the call in the building like this, this felt like a moment that we haven't experienced in a long time, not mm -hmm. just in the NBA before the Lakers particularly. And even though it got super nervy on some of those shots late at the game, like um, Jordan pulls threes and my goodness, there were a lot of possessions there where you just thought Steph Curry was going to take over. Uh, it was, it was a lot. I mean, uh, I was, you know, getting up and like mimicking Wes Matthews, like trying to play defense on Steph Curry on that final possession before Steph Curry called uh, Steve Curry called timeout. It was, it was a lot, but it was just a lot of fun, you know, uh, just a great time. I mean, we were going to joke about this a lot, but like LeBron James said, whoever created the play in tournament should be fired. Like, nah, like give that dude a raise. Uh, this was great. This was really, really great. I mean, even the undercard that Grizzlies Spurs game was a lot of fun earlier. And this was just the icing on the cake. Like I was on a group text with all my friends from the East coast who were like just doing their very best to stay awake to watch the end of this because you knew that this was going to be something epic and it delivered. And how often does that happen? Sabrina, I got to say, I never hear you this excited. I can hear it in your voice. You are legitimately, you're like, you're like breathless. You're talking about this. You enjoyed it. Obviously I could tell, but I'm with you. You know what? After watching the East uh, Eastern conference games, I was like, this is a joke. Like they better mm -hmm. not go with this way. They go 
uh, four teams, especially a 10th seed fighting it out against yeah, the East I mean? does not have six good teams. Okay. We don't need to expand to 10. <laughs> yeah. You don't need to. And, and, but I mean the, yeah, the Western conference games today, the, the, the Spurs Grizzlies, I mean, I was doing some writing and stuff, but I was watching that in the end. It was, was, was really entertaining. And, and this game to me was obviously, like you mentioned, it was, it was the main event and everybody was, was kind of waiting and you could kind of sense the anticipation in LA that people were waiting to watch this game tonight and it completely delivered. And, I, and I'm with you. Like, having the fans there, having the trash talking, like I, even the players I've noticed aren't really as engaged in terms of talking smack to each other and the emotions of it. And you finally kind of, kind of saw that today. Maybe it's because the stakes are obviously so high, but when you're looking at, at, at how the Lakers turn things around, because you, you, you look at what happened in the, in the opening half, they were down 55, 42. They couldn't, they just couldn't do anything right. And, and everything was kind of, Coming apart at the seams, you know, the Lakers were shooting 30.4% at the break or, or, or pardon me, 31% uh, at the break. And, and it was like, okay, you know, they're so rusty. They're not being able to put this together. And they came out of the locker room and went on a 7 nothing run within 90 seconds. And, and that came off of a mix of things. Number one, uh, the Golden State kept turning the ball over. That was that was a huge thing right away. And number two, the Lakers starting attack, started attacking the rim. They weren't settling anymore for jumpers. But when you were when you were sitting at halftime, what was your feeling going into the third? Were you like, oh no, they're gonna come up short here? Or were you like, okay, no, 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 they're they're not done yet? My feeling was that the Lakers just can't mess around anymore in the second half. You know, like I think there was a very clear template for what was not working in the first half. And I mean, I think we talked about this ahead of time. Like the Lakers are a better team than the Warriors, and they are mm-hmm. built to beat the Warriors. You know, that they have inherent advantages within their roster construction that make it easier for them against a team like the Warriors, even one that is so defensively talented like Golden State is. We just weren't using any of those advantages in the first half, right? Mm -hmm. So I expected the tide of the game to turn a little bit. Like, I mean, what was it? Dennis, LeBron, and Anthony Davis were three of 27 from the field to start the game. Is that? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that sounds all right. Three of 22, was it? Yeah, I I think it was, I think it was four of 28 at halftime, maybe. And, you know, like they make six more shots. They're 10 of 28, a horrific number. And the Lakers are tied at halftime, right? (laughs) And it's, you know, uh, it's an entirely different situation. So my thought really was just, is this going to be hard? It's going to be like super uncomfortable to deal with for the next 24 minutes. But no part of me was thinking, oh, Golden State has figured us out. Is Frank Vogel going to get the memo that the Andre Drummond thing isn't going to work? Because that, that that's something that I, I was feeling throughout the game too. Not to say he was terrible defensively, but he was very unnoticeable. And there were a couple of times where you could tell that if – this were in a different circumstance as in the, the, the Lakers weren't so focused on trapping Steph, especially coming off a screen mm-hmm. uh, when he's getting a big man to set the screen for him. Uh, Drummond would have got shredded if the guard yeah. didn't stay with Steph. And, and so when I'm watching this and I, I had Jeff Van Gundy on the pod with, for the Warriors pod that I was doing earlier in the day. And he said that he's like, their, their best lineup is Anthony Davis at the five. And that's what they got. They, that's what they got to go with, especially against a team like this. Now, when you're looking at a team like Phoenix, they got DeAndre Ayton. Okay. He can give you, he could be a handful down low. Maybe you have to switch things up. Is, is Frank Vogel going to get that memo that Andre Drummond isn't going to start? Or are we going to go with Anthony's uh, Anthony Irwin's um, conspiracy theory that the clutch boys are taking over and they're, they're kind of running the show and Vogel just doing what he wants them to do. What's crazy is that Drummond is not even a clutch client. So the fact that he has this level of sway in the organization when he was a buyout <laughs> candidate is beyond me, but he is definitely going to be starting game one of the Phoenix series. Like mm-hmm. you can book it, mark that down right now. It's going to happen. It's going to frustrate all of us. Um, it's probably not going to look as bad as it did today, because like you said, DeAndre Ayton is a reasonable matchup for Drummond. Um, the Suns also don't spread you out to the same extent 
the Warriors do just because they do not have Steph Curry. Obviously, they have a lot of good shooters on that team. I'm interested to see if Cam Johnson's healthy in that series because he's a real big swing piece for them. Mm-hmm. But uh, we can, you know, wait to talk about Phoenix in a little bit. Uh, I do think a lot of the problems with the Lakers today weren't so much, you know, rotation construction, which obviously I had issues with. It was that Anthony Davis did not look like himself for the first 24 minutes of the game, right? Like if that is the version of Anthony Davis you're getting, it doesn't really matter if he's playing the four or the five. He just needs to be stronger with the ball. He needs to be more engaged in like getting to the basket. Um, Thankfully, his defense was pretty much there from the get-go, but offensively, like he just needs to be better. And I know we talk a lot about how Andre Drummond affects Anthony Davis's positioning on offense, but like he has made such a big like shit for lack of a better word about how he doesn't want to play center. And he handpicked the center that he wanted to play next to. So if the Lakers are going to accommodate all of your, you know, asks and get you the guy to play next to and make sure that you can play your preferred position of power forward, you damn well better be good at it. You know, like you can't be as disengaged as he was in the start of this game. So yeah, I don't like the way that the Lakers approach their rotations, but a lot of that is just overcome by the fact that their second best player did not play nearly close to that. He was outplayed by Draymond Green for large stretches of this game and he needs to be better. Like that's just number one. And especially in this upcoming matchup against Phoenix, where they have nobody who can guard him, least of all, like to the extent that Draymond Green was guarding him. That is a matchup that he has to dominate, not just be good in. He has to be the best player on the floor and that more than anything is going to affect the Lakers' success, not who else is on the court with him. I'm with you on that, too. I think the one thing I don't like seeing from AD is the settling for jumpers. Mm-hmm. And this was this was an issue I, I had with him. I mean, don't get me wrong. He was phenomenal in the bubble overall. But before that, before the pandemic hit, uh, during the regular season especially, when he's catching the ball on the low block, his first initial look a lot of the time is a turnaround face-up jumper. And he has the athleticism. He has the strength that he should be trying to create contact, get into his guy, whether that's getting to the uh, foul line, or if he's going to face up the dude, try and drive on him. And I think that that's one thing I've noticed with AD is when he falls in love with his jumper, especially that little mid-range one where he catches it, you know, maybe about two, three feet off the block, and he kind of turns and settles, and he's fading away from the contact or fading away on the shot. I think that's where he needs to be better because when he's engaged and he was catching those lobs and he's getting the ball around the hoop, you're gonna the guys are freaking bouncing off of him. You know what I mean? And he shouldn't be he shouldn't be shooting four free throws in a game, especially a game of this magnitude in 42 minutes. That means he's not being aggressive enough on the offensive end. I'm with you. I, I think he he hasn't. I mean, again, he's coming off the injury and he hasn't played very much this season. I also think uh, Draymond Green was all world defensively in this game Absolutely. He did every everything right and the way he played and there was a couple of times where like he showed and recovered and managed to steal the ball which is like unheard of you don't really you don't really see guys doing that at any level so i, I think he deserves some credit for for guarding ad as well as, as he did but i'm with you i think that if ad has to pick up his aggressiveness and he like you like you mentioned he can take over that series on his own and dominate. I want to jump into a couple more things uh, just about this game against the, with the Lakers and the Warriors, and we'll, we'll touch on the Phoenix, the Phoenix series uh, after a short break. All right, we're back. Uh, Sabrina, we're talking about the, the, you know, this game, it was thrilling. Like, like I mentioned, I mean, especially at the end there, the teams are going back and forth. LeBron obviously hit that massive shot claiming like he can't see properly. Come on, LeBron. We know you could see damn well when you, when you hit that shot from 30 feet out, but um Looking at other guys on the on the Lakers roster, and we talked about this a bit on the locker room, uh, Alex Caruso, he was great. And I love what he bought. He did this. Obviously, he's done this a lot. He's still, you know, maybe underappreciated in terms of the NBA world, not in Los Angeles and with Lakers fans. He ended up playing 30 minutes. 
how much of an impact do you think he'll be able to have in a series against a team like the Suns? Like, will they look at trying to put Caruso on a guy like Chris Paul, who is who is so smart, uh, so good with the ball in his hands? Do you think that they'll try and look at him and say, all right, you know, Caruso, chase this guy up the court for, for 30 minutes a night? Yeah, Chris Paul is a, just an exceptionally smart player, and mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be funny watching Dennis Schroeder guard him. You know, after that year they spent together in OKC, like we'll see how many of uh, Chris Paul's tricks he managed to learn during that time together. But, yeah, I mean, in, just in all things with the Lakers, like the more Caruso, the better. You know, if he were starting, I wouldn't have any problem with that because, like, I, I always think back to this story that they wrote in the Wall Street Journal last year. Like the headline was Alex Caruso is the LeBron James of playing with LeBron James. Like literally nobody <laughs> in LeBron James's career has had the type of success as a two-man game that Alex Caruso has had. And I don't think it's an isolated incident, right? Like, you know, just because the Lakers were really good last year, I mean, you know, Le- LeBron had a negative rating with Rondo in their first year together. Like it's not just a given that you're going to be really good playing next to LeBron. Caruso does it better than anybody else. And I'm fascinated to see that Chris Paul matchup because it's like, it's just an entirely different uh, challenge than what Stephen Curry presents, right? Like you can afford to give him a little bit more space, but uh, it's also like, where you give him the space, right? Like they were sending Curry into the mid range and hoping that he would be off balance on those free throw jumpers. And that was a gamble that worked out quite well, I think for the Lakers, but you cannot do that with Chris Paul, right? Like you send him to that elbow and that's two points every single time. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's going to be really, really just a fascinating matchup, but uh, I did want to talk a little bit about Kyle Kuzma because I think uh, he wasn't in the closing lineup and I think his uh, performance has gone a little underrated, which is, you know, to be expected because there was, there was a lot going on in that game. Uh (laughs) Uh Quite a good deal. But I thought it was really telling that like when Frank Vogel needed like a no mistake lineup, Kyle Kuzma was there on the court, you know, like he only had six points, six rebounds, just become a much better rebound than we give him credit for. But like of the Lakers, he had the third best plus minus behind Wes Matthews and LeBron James. You know, he had four assists, uh, just knows how to move the ball. He understands this offense. He looks so comfortable out there. And the fact that we've come to rely on Kuz as like a steadying presence on the Lakers is just a remarkable testament to the amount of work that he's put into his game. He knows exactly how he fits in. And that is such a useful thing to have off your bench. Um, I'd love to see him play like even more. I know 23 minutes is like a good amount for a guy coming off the bench, but uh, against a Phoenix team that has a little bit more wing size players, you know, like they've got Johnson, they've got Bridges, they've got Jay Crowder. I I do think that there's going to be opportunities for Kyle who's going to be useful in that series. Um, But it's like, it's not even just, we talked a lot about like the Lakers playing big, you know, with Drummond or not. It's, it's just that their better players are smaller, you know, like and not like small in the sense of like Alex Cruz was big for a point guard and Kyle Kuzma's a big wing but just their better players are perimeter players. So like, you just want to get more of those guys on the court at once. Right. Um, the Lakers five best players do not include Andre Drummond. That's the problem. It's not that he is. I mean, there's, there's a lot of problems with Andre Drummond, but like one of them is just that you can surround LeBron with better talent, not even better fit, just better talent. And I thought you saw that with like Wes and Kyle and Alex. And it was just really great to see the, like the stay readiness of the Lakers bench, right? Like these guys who, get called on just at odd times. Like their, their minutes are never consistent with the way that the season has gone, but their performance is consistent. And that's so cool. Yeah. I, I, I got that too. And I, I think that, you know, even for me, I found it head scratching that Marcus all didn't get in the game. And I'm not saying that he would have, you know, turned things around in the first half, but I think with the way the warriors play uh, having dream on, if, if, if they decided to go with dream on, on, on Gasol uh, when Kevon Looney wasn't on the court, 
you're going to have Draymond away from the basket. And Draymond is great at, at being vertical, like, you know, taking in the contact and, 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 you know, taking it in the chest and being straight up. And I thought that that was a head scratching decision to me, but I'm with you. I, I, you know, I, I think that, and again, I'm interested to see how Vogel does this because this was a concern going into the bubble and going into the playoffs last year was, is he going to get stuck on his rotations? Is he going to play guys when he shouldn't? And, you know, even like Montrez Harrell, he only played 10 minutes in this game. Um, you know, like you mentioned, Wes Matthews got 14 minutes, basically all in the second half. And you saw, obviously, look at his plus minus. He was great at plus minus doesn't tell the whole story. But if you look at that, you know, he did a damn good job there, too. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how they choose to match up. I do. Th- I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers lose game one uh, against Phoenix. I think it's going to take them some time to really iron out some of the kinks and just playing together. And I hope that they do get into practice or two here, at least leading up to, to game one, which I think will be on Sunday. Um, but I think that they're going to have to to iron out these kinks. It might take them a game. It might take them two. But are you worried at all going into this Phoenix matchup that uh, this is a bad matchup? And if the Lakers play the way they did for, you know, 25 minutes, 24 minutes, whatever you want to say in against the Warriors, that if they continue with that kind of effort, they're going to be in some trouble against a, a pretty good Suns team. Yeah, I think it was good for the Lakers to finally have a game with stakes, right? Like we were playing LeBron and Anthony Davis, even when LeBron is very clearly less than 100% in those Indiana and New Orleans games to end the season. But like there was a definite lack of intensity in those two games. So yeah, they were getting minutes, but like what was like, they were just like practice minutes, right? It wasn't mm-hmm. real NBA intensity level minutes. And as much as like, you know, just like added to the whites in my hair to watch this game tonight. Like uh, the Lakers needed some sort of competitive. Do you, any, do you even have any whites, Sabrina? Come on. We There's have... a reason we are not recording this on okay, video, yeah, Jazz. Okay. okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, it was just really good for the Lakers to have this experience of, in you know, there's their new guys being in this type of situation. And we sort of got a feel of like who's ready for the moment and who's not. And I mean, I was a little disappointed to see that like only one guy really seemed ready for the moment in West Matthews, but uh Maybe Marcus Gasol will get a chance against Phoenix because, like you said, they've got Aiton, and that's a big guy who I think he would do really well against. But I'm not super concerned about them starting slow against Phoenix just because, like, like they, they just went through this game where the Warriors were up three in the fourth quarter, potentially with the ball. Like, uh, that was a high-intensity situation, and they if they haven't learned from this, like nothing is going to make the Lakers learn that they have to take the game seriously. The one thing that does concern me is that LeBron still does not look like he has his lift. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still very concerned about that ankle, that that foul at the end when Draymond got him and he fell. Um, it looked like he hurt his ankle again. Uh, I'm not going to doubt LeBron James because obviously like the man just pulls up from the R on Staples Center and hits the game winning three. <laughs> like he, yeah, is, yeah. he is a god among us. But when LeBron is less than 100%, that is the only real cause for concern that I have about the Lakers. And that sort of showed up in this game. Yeah. I think especially in the first half, I think Mm -hmm. that was apparent to me too. And I tweeted that, Oh, I'm like watching him play. Like I said, and I mentioned in the locker room too, like when he attacks the hoop, when LeBron gets up, it's like, dude, nobody's stopping him. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When he's in the paint, it's either going to be a foul or two points or, you know, he's getting to the free throw line. And I noticed that in the first half, and I'm going to give Andrew Wiggins some credit too, because I think Andrew Wiggins did a, did a pretty like as good as a job you can do on LeBron in that yes. first half alone. Very I'm not going to so. talk about the second half, but the way he was the way when he's attacking the rim and he was trying to get up a couple times, you can tell it was like yeah, like you're mentioning, he just doesn't have the ups, and that's obviously just the ankle. It's not the age. We've we've seen what he was doing prior to the injury that he could still fly and is still an athletic freak, you know, compared to the average man. Uh, but that's going to be a concern too, and. 
And that's where I'm saying this, even now it's not a lot, but you got, you know, what Thursday for, you got three days off to maybe, you know, if the ankle does swell up, they can ice it. He's going to get some more treatment, but if he's, and again, if AD and LeBron are pushing 85, 90% health, I don't think Phoenix poses much of a problem. Now it will be interesting to see what happens overall if we get to, and the Lakers, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that this is a, they're a shoe in to do this, but if you get into round two, uh, you know, you're taking on Denver or, or a Portland team. These are pretty favorable matchups for, for the Lakers going into this. And again, I don't, I don't want to say that because we don't know what they're going to look like health wise. We don't know what they're going to look like consistency wise. Um, and, and you mentioned that too, with, with, you know, these guys playing in these big games, Alex Caruso said that uh, he said, uh, I was just reading some of the quotes on Twitter and he said, Hey, you know what? This was a good game for us. It was, it was to get us basically ready because now these guys got to feel what it's like to play in a do or die situation. So we'll see how these guys respond. I think Frank Vogel will watch the tape back. Look at, look at what Wes Matthews bought. So he might, might not be sitting on the bench for 24 minutes, but let's get a quick prediction here before we wrap up. Uh, I don't want to give away too much. I'm pretty sure the guys will go over uh, Harrison and, and Anthony. will we'll talk about the Phoenix series a lot in depth on, uh, on Thursday's podcast, but what is your prediction going into this? Just knowing what we know right now about the Lakers coming off this thrilling win over the Warriors. When you're looking at that Phoenix series, how many games do you think it goes and who do you think comes out on top? Well, this is my standard prediction when I think that the underdog is going to win the series. So Lakers in six. Okay. That's your standard one. Got to close out at home. Okay. Okay. I, it's good. what the Lakers should have done several times in the two thousands and Tim yeah. Thomas prevented the Lakers from doing so. <laughs> I think that, okay, and, and here's the interesting part. Uh, I just saw this tweet as well. The Las Vegas uh, sportsbooks have the Lakers as a minus 300 favorite. So I guess so we're not the underdogs. No, no, they're the three to one favorites. That, that's <laughs> how we're going to, yeah, so they ain't the, they're definitely not the underdogs. I'm with you. I think Phoenix doesn't have the championship medal, and I'm, I'm, that's not downplaying. I think Chris Paul is phenomenal, uh, one of the best point guards to ever play the game. But I think that, uh, I, I think the Lakers just, the experience that they have. And when you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis on your team, even if they're operating at 80, 85%, I think Phoenix is going to have a hard time stopping them. Is there, is there any way other than if we take the health out of it that like, you know, if the Lakers are, let's just assume as close to hundred percent as they'll, they'll be, is there anything that scares you about the Suns behind Chris Paul and, and, and Devin Booker? There's just a team that executes really well. So you know, the way the Lakers played defense today is they sold out on Steph Curry and then forced the other uh, Warriors to beat them. And I, I don't think you can really do that against Phoenix because they're a little bit deeper than the Warriors are. And honestly, like defensively is never where I'm concerned with the Lakers because this is a remarkably well-coached defensive team. They have so much defensive talent. And regardless of what lineups you put on the court, like I still feel like they're going to excel on that under the floor. Um, so, I mean, like they just have to be attentive to detail which I maybe it'll take like a quarter for them to get into but I don't think it's going to be a problem over the course of the series and as far as them being able to score like that's obviously always the issue um but like Phoenix just isn't particularly well suited to guard them because mm -hmm. if you put Crowder on LeBron then who is supposed to guard Anthony Davis like is that Bridges Bridges is way too small to guard Anthony Davis and he doesn't even have the strength to you know handle him in the post the way some other guys like PJ Tucker or, you know, Draymond obviously do. So it's, I just don't think Phoenix matches up well with the Lakers. Like the one time they, you know, just laid the smack on the Lakers was when what Anthony Davis wasn't playing and they yeah. were in there, like Schroeder wasn't playing either. Right. So when they have, when the Lakers have all of their pieces together, I just think that they have 
the right collection of talent, you know, to guard, to handle Phoenix, because what Phoenix as well as they guard the perimeter and like the Lakers do their magic in the paint. Right. Which is why I think the Phoenix Utah dichotomy is so interesting because make all the jokes about Rudy Gobert. You want Utah protects the basket incredibly well. And that's where the Lakers like the score, but Phoenix just isn't that kind of team. So I, I just like the matchup better for the Lakers. Obviously like, again, I'm gonna say it again. Phoenix is a really, really good team, but the Lakers have the best player in the series. And if Anthony Davis plays his potential, they have the two best players in the series. Yeah. And that's what it always comes down to in the NBA. And, and that, that, you know, like that, that's always been the case really for the most part is if you have, if you have one or two of the best players in the series, your chances are you're going to win. And, and that, that's where I'm, I'm still staying confident that the Lakers are the team to beat. Yeah. They had a terrible first half. They also haven't really played a game. Like we mentioned, LeBron only set up, uh, suited up for the last two. So I, I'm not too worried about it again. Now, if they end up down to nothing, we're doing this podcast next week, obviously we'll put our foot in our mouths and we'll deal with it then. But I think we're both on the same page uh, that the Lakers are, are going to be in a pretty good spot. They have some days off. Now they'll rest up and I'm sure they'll, they'll start to get things together. Uh, anything you're working on for a silver screen and roll Sabrina, as we, we get into the weekend here, uh, you know, just, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go to sleep and like try to wrap my head around all of this that happened tonight. Um, but something will be up for me about the Lakers. Take some, take some melatonin and chill and relax. Cause you see my, like I said, I don't think I've heard you be this excited before. And I we want to play in game. It's yeah, never yeah, happened yeah, before yeah. in franchise history. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's the first time for everything, but you're amped up, get some sleep. It's been a, it's been a good night and, and we'll be doing this. We're going to try and be doing this every Wednesday. Um, just for y'all know that, that we're going to be changing things around with the silver screen and roll podcast network. So Sabrina and I will likely be hosting together, uh, every Wednesday, but we'll still be mixing and matching as we go through. Uh, don't forget before we do wrap up, subscribe to our podcast network. You can catch us on iTunes, Spotify, Google podcasts, you name it. We're there. And of course, check us out throughout the entire postseason run. Sabrina and I are thinking it's at least going to round two, uh, at silverscreenroll.com. That does it for this episode. Harrison and Anthony will be back with a new one on Thursday.